Hello, Coffee and Catholics crew. First off, um, you may have noticed that I just jumped right in today before the music. Um, we'll get to that in just a moment. But I wanted to first apologize for this episode being a week late. Um, if you follow us on Facebook in our Facebook group or on Instagram, you'll know that there's a whole story behind it. Um, but I really appreciate everybody's patience and um, prayers and support while I was just dealing with being a mom and lost things. And um, so apologies again for this episode being a week late. And but we'll still have um, next week's episode next week. So um, we're already working on getting that one edited and out for you. Please enjoy this third and final episode about virtues. and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. This week we are going to continue our virtue series and we are going to be talking about chastity and diligence. Again, with humility woven in. If you are just now listening to this episode, episode 60 and 59, we also talked about virtues. And so if you want to go back and see what we've talked about there, feel free to do so. So chastity, um, while we always think a lot of times we think of chastity in context of um, sex, sex. (laughs) Um, it could be other, you know, we could be lusting over other things also because chastity defeats lust. And you have to be diligent in your chastity. And so they go yes. together. Yes, <laughs> they do. Yes. They go together well. So chastity within marriage, or between people that are married, you think that, well, that's the end of that, right? Chastity is for people that are trying to live by the rules that the church has set out before they get married, or while they're singles or dating, or while they're growing up and teenagers. We hear a lot about chastity the virtue of chastity in these groups, these subsets of the church. But it actually has a huge role in marriage. And I'd love to kick off the conversation talking about how chastity, um, how the Lord is moving me towards chastity in my own life and in our own marriage and the struggles that we've had um, with that in, in those veins. And I think it really has to do a lot with, for me, the governing of my eyes and my appetites. And sometimes that has a lot to do with sex and sometimes not. Sometimes it has to do with um, following the rules that the church has laid out for us within marriage life. Uh, It's very tempting, you know, um, if you, if you're familiar with what the church has said about um, the marriage bed and about what goes on between husbands and wives in that sacrament, that sacramental moment of union, the church does have actual um, guidelines that we have to follow as Catholics in order to be faithful to her and to the Lord in turn. But it can be really easy at certain stages of life or to certain seasons of life or just situations that arise in this context to bend or break those rules a little bit. And it's a big temptation and it has been I think for us, for a lot of couples, and so it's for us, it has to do with are we, when we're approaching each other in the intimacy of our marriage bed, are we doing this with the other's 
good in mind? Are we doing this with our eyes toward God and seeing this as a way to connect with each other facing with our eyes, you know, on heaven, even in the marriage bed, God can be brought into that. Or are we doing it just to satisfy our own desires or predilections or wants? And I think anyone that's married, when we look at it within this context, can can say, oh, yeah, there's a lot of room here for virtue to come in and, and, to, and to be used as we talk about this. So that's how it's kind of showed up in our lives is being faithful to those rules that the church has given us, which protect us and protect each other. But also um, just guarding your eyes from things that we watch, like on TV, there's been a lot of conversations or shows that we've had to turn off because uh, it just wasn't something I wanted to see or wanted him to see or he wanted to see or wanted me to see. And so I think it has a lot to do with just governing the appetites, particularly those that are sexual within marriage. And that's just us. And I'm inviting, obviously, anyone else to correct me if I'm wrong. And but. I have times where I've, like, I've read, like, I've been, like, reading a book and it gets into some different things. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, finding, like, oh, this is maybe not directing my mind towards, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know, what it should be. And, and having to, you know, having the, the, we've talked about how the humility kind of really intertwines with all these virtues, but having the humility to see that, oh, this isn't leading me down that path, even though I'm really interested in this book, I need to go ahead and put it down. That's really hard. And it's so frustrating because I feel like if you're a reader too, mm-hmm. I don't know, um, I feel like every book that is written these days, even the good, beautiful ones, there's always that one little moment and and while I'm not saying you have to totally discard it it's just frustrating that we can't just allow stories to just be stories without throwing that that impropriety or that anti-chase anti-chase moment in just to make sure the book sells and I have friends that write books and they're writers they do well and they have had they have said to me before that there are certain publishers that will not publish it if there isn't some sort of spice in it. Wow. Mm. Which is crazy. It just tells you where our culture is. Mm. And these are even publishers that publish good and beautiful books. Well, you can see some commercials. I mean, you can even turn on, like, you, even if you're trying to watch a, a more, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily holy, but a more pure show then even the commercials that happen in between. Can, oh sometimes you can't even get onto YouTube to show kids something without the commercials mm-hmm. there being so sexualized. Mm-hmm. You can't um, watch, like, you know, the, like, I've, I've tried to watch, like, baking shows or mm-hmm. different the commercials that show up for the other things put out by those networks. Um, I either have to, you know, like, be muting or, like, I'm really good at the distracting and asking questions. Or, like, cause my kids are still young and I can, like, you know, like, redirect them or, you know, or mute it at that time. Um, but yeah, it's really like, it's just, is so intertwined in there. Uh, what I, w- I was going to add on with the, like with books, I'm not saying like everybody needs, like if there's something in it, you have to, for me, it was like, there have been personal oh, yeah. instances where I've no- I noticed like, you know, like I've had some books where I read and it's like, it has some scenes or something in there and it doesn't right. really no, have it, you right. know, but then there's others where I'm like, it's, it's, and, it, and it's been more that it's not like, it, it's been more of a, like, it's, uh, having me. Desire things that, like, I would, or, like, feeling like I'm not being fulfilled in my marriage because this is going on in here. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that, those type That's of things where it's more uh, making me resentful mm-hmm. towards my own spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think, I like how you guys have kind of brought it from kind of the, the micro level up to the macro level because we do have a society that is really 
um, kind of a society of sexuality and um, of lustfulness. And I mean, I guess that's been going on, you know, since Moses came down from the mountain <laughs> and, you know, all of that was going on. Yeah. But one thing that I have, I know I've been trying to guard my children against is the, is that in our society, um, how prevalent it is and how important our society makes it. And then also, I think especially more recently within the last, I don't know, several years, maybe five to 10 years, really the acceleration and the sexualization of children in our culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's disturbing. It's scary mm-hmm. how um, just certain laws that you, that certain um, states are trying to pass. Um, but yeah, it's just the certain things that are going on around in society um, that, you know, I, I don't want my children to be a part of. Like, I don't want my daughter to see it because I don't want her to emulate this or think that this is something that ought to be emulated by, you know, exposing skin or finding, you know, having your value in what other people think of you in a sexual way. And I don't want my son seeing all these sexual things that are going on, especially at such a young age that they are at, because even in like hearing it in music and stuff like that, because I don't want them thinking of women in that way or even thinking of themselves in a sexual way that like, you know, as they grow up and they mature and they start understanding these types of things, that these become norms in their lives because they've been hearing it in music. They've been hearing it in movies, seeing it in movies and all of these things. Because I know when I was younger, I, uh, <clears throat> chastity wasn't so much on my mind. Like I, I, I don't know. I, um, saw my value and what other people thought of me and specifically when it came to men I wanted to be I wanted to feel like I was attractive Mm -hmm. to them Mm -hmm. and so I remember wearing low-cut tops and tight clothes even though I was so uncomfortable doing so but this is the way that I was going to be able to find my value this is the way that I just somehow you know my, my parents didn't teach me this but through, the, I think, the music that I was listening to, the mm-hmm. friends that I had that had these values, the movies that I was watching um, were the TV shows. I remember very specific TV shows learning, oh, well, if I look like that or I, if I have that, I'm going to be gross and I'm not going to be wanted mm-hmm. by men or by these other people who were making fun of this particular person on, on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, I think that, you know, people think that, you know, chastity, oh, is such a buzzkill. Like, <laughs> you know, that's no fun, but that's not what it's about. It's not about a lack of fun. We Catholics tend, <laughs> not always, and it's totally fine to not have many children or any children at all, especially if you're not able to have them. But mo- a lot of ch- Catholics are kind of known the stereotype as for having a lot of children, we're okay with sex. We have fun. We have fun too. We do just... a lot of practice having fun. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, so, you know, that stereotype is, is mood, it's, it's void. But um, there are, you know, like you were talking about quote unquote rules or guidelines, I should say, that, um, you know, that the church does teach us. And it's not just to interfere with what we've got going on in the bedroom. But it's because out of love for us, because these are things, biblical things that Jesus has taught us that have been handed down by the protect us from objectifying each other. Exactly. And if you look at some of the minor details, I remember thinking when I'm reading through, I'm like, come on. Like at one point I, I I did not appreciate what I felt like that was an intrusion 
into, you know, little things, you know, like uh, into our, I felt like it was nitpicky, but when I disregarded those things, when we did choose to disregard those things, or when we um, made light of them without really looking at them, we missed the fact that after having looked at them, we what we saw was that these are guidelines that keep us from making objects of each other mm-hmm. and using each other for pleasure or for at will mm-hmm. or and and so. Yeah, so it's really like if you're going to call them rules, they're rules for for how to love one another fully yeah. and authentically. Well, I know we were talking a lot about like how society, and I think Mossy does play a, a part in Chassis, but when we really get down to it, it's our reactions to others mm-hmm. and how, like, like you're just saying, it's how we react to seeing somebody who maybe isn't dressed what we would consider modest or, you know, it comes back to, are we looking at that person as an object to fulfill our desires? Or are we looking at them as the person God made them to be, regardless of how they're dressed? Because, you know, we get into, sometimes it's our society, but also sometimes it's just how another culture is. And so when we right. look at other cultures and things, you know, are we looking at this this native dress or the, the how these people dress and lusting after them? Are we looking at them and appreciating them for the culture that they are in and why they have these customs? Um, so I think really at the root, we also have to think about our reaction to things when we think about chastity and less. And, I, and chastity also gets kind of a bad rap, especially within marriage, because it's like, oh, you know, and most people who do AFP, like they abstain for whatever. Mm-hmm. But we even have, you know, married saints who have had Josephide marriages. Like there's even a term for it. Where, you know, even Zeely and Louis Martin, at the mm-hmm. beginning of their marriage for the first, I don't remember how, it was several years, mm-hmm. they lived in a Josephide marriage. They married each other and then had a chaste marriage for several years. And then there's other saints that within their marriage moved that, that way because they felt called to find intimacy with their spouse in other ways besides sex. And because, again, to not objectify somebody. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's it gets down to when there is a deep desire for something. You know, our last episode, we talked a little bit about generosity and greed. You mm-hmm. know, we have to be, we have to, you know, push that aside, that, that greediness of wanting somebody else. Mm-hmm. And push that aside because they're not objects for us to do with as we please. Mm-hmm. They are people that have their inherent dignity that God gave them. Mm-hmm. And so I think Chassie has a lot to do with seeing that God-given dignity in somebody. Mm-hmm. And, so, and to remember what the marriage act, the, the nature and design of it is for, what it's ordered towards is love. Um, the, the deepening of love between spouses, the deepening of our love for God, God's ability to create and make more of our love. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all ways that we participate with God. And, and so it's chastity and charity are just the same coin. It's mm-hmm. about loving others in a way that allows them to experience God fully mm-hmm. and allows create life to come from that if that's part of it that's not the only reason and for those listeners that aren't in a a married you know aren't in the sacrament of marriage 
you know, one of the things I wish I had had, it was given to us as a wedding gift. I kind of wish like, oh, this would have been nice like five years ago, (laughs) Um, was um, Theology of the Body. It was uh, West. What's his first name? So Christopher's West, uh, Christopher West's um, Theology of the Body. He explains Pope John Paul II's um, Theology of the Body on this, like, it was a audio book. It was a CD. Like we just listened to it in the car. Mm-hmm. It would have been really nice to have had that before our marriage and even probably before we were dating. So if any of you out there are single and um, kind of struggle with this, I really recommend that um, resource because to know how beautiful the sacrament of marriage is and the marriage act is Lauren uses a beautiful like imagery with her children. The, the kiss that married people do, or what, what do you call oh, it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, so our kids being who our kids are always want to know all the things. And so they, you know, they early on, they were like, well, but how do you mm-hmm. make a baby? Like they mm-hmm. wanted to know, you know, something mommy and daddy do well, what does that mean? Like, how do you do it? Show me how you do it. And I'm like, no. (laughs) That's not good, but uh, not appropriate. So we figured out a way to say it was that we just said, there's a prayer that you say that um, can bring children. It doesn't always bring children, but it's a prayer that you say together to unify you as a couple and draw you as close as you can possibly be. And God comes in between and prays with you and is with that prayer. Even as an adult, I find that so beautiful. But then we just told them, we said, and so only mommies and daddies are supposed to say this, uh, this prayer. And it's a special prayer. And sometimes babies come when you say that prayer. But we we say that prayer regularly because we want God to make more of the love that we have. We want to allow him to do it if he wants to. But also we say it just because we want to be close to each other and we want him to be close to us too. So we tell him that. And that's the easy way to say it's a prayer we say with our bodies mm-hmm. together. And then we talk. We, we have had to talk about how sometimes that prayer can be said outside of the protections of marriage. And people who are not married sometimes say the prayer. And sometimes babies come from that too because God made everything that God made is good. Um, but that's not right. You know, so we just talk about it's not, we don't want to tell them it's not right. We just tell them it it isn't the easiest way. You know, we have to find ways to explain as these situations come up. That's not exactly the way God set it up because Uh it makes things harder on everybody and harder on the mommy and harder on the daddy. And so you find ways to say it without having to be really like detailed. (laughs) But I also think like that something that I'm having to face with this society and this culture is I have a preteen coming into and although she's, you know, it's, we were really careful and we, we've chosen a path that's allows us to have maximum impact, maximum influence on our kids. Um, we're, ha- I think one of the things that is an iteration of chastity that has to be addressed is this temptation. Like Alicia was talking about to identify yourself according to your appetites. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing this in society right now, that our appetites or our tendencies or the things that we desire are such a big part of our identity that we define ourselves by them. Mm -hmm. This is disorder. This is unchaste. This is a self-absorbed sort of view 
of the self and the body and how the, what the body is for. And so I think that one of the, the things that we'll have to fight against as Catholics, and we all have to work together to come up with language and um, search the scriptures and tradition to help us craft a narrative that we can share with each other about why defining yourself by what you desire or what kind of person or sex or you desire is so incomplete and disordered related to the human person. That isn't what a human person is. It's more than your appetites. We are not defined by our appetites. Do we have them? Yes. Do we need to order them and examine them and be aware of them? Yes. Is our identity completely wrapped up in the way we look and what or who we desire and in how we want others to talk talk to us or say what we want them to say about us? If you look at these, if you look at it this way, it just, that seems really incomplete. And I think that that's one of the ways that chastity is perverted in our current society that it short changes this incredible human person and reduces them down to the things that they think or want or crave. And I find that so disturbing. Which goes back to humility and making ourselves less than like we're not, right. it's not all about me. It's not about right. everything I want and I, and can't keep going me, 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 me. Right. Cause it's yeah. an incomplete picture. Yeah. You know, also opening yourself up to going, okay, God, what, who did you make me to be? And who it's are about you? you and right. I'm going to allow you to work in me to make me that person. And <clears throat> there's an and it really component. is a freeing thing. It's absolutely yeah. freeing. You know, like people think of, you know, like these as these as rules that the church lays down, but it's there really are ways to free us because mm-hmm. when you are all about yourself, you're you know, you're thinking, I get to do what I want when I want. You're a slave to your appetites. You exactly. really are. You're a slave to your desires. But when you stop looking at yourself, you look to God and say, you know, God make me who you wanted me to be, who you made me to be, then you're opening yourself up to that which you were made for. And so you're not always saying yes to yourself about everything you've got to that habit. Like, you know, we've talked about before about how, um, you know, like you just kind of, as it becomes an addiction, you can't say no. Mm-hmm. Um, without you, real discomfort. Yeah. Without mm-hmm. real discomfort, you let it go and it becomes really, really, really freeing. Well, and I will say, um, you know, we talked about how we talked a little bit in the beginning about how chastity doesn't just have and lust doesn't have just have to do with sex it can also have to do with other things and so mm-hmm. it makes me think about you know lusting for the things of the world mm-hmm. you know right. just like that desire that appetite for you know like the money and the cars and the houses and the clothes. you know the clothes and yeah, the you know if you're even, like, yeah the foods and the persons <laughs> or whatever the case may be and making those idols in your lives rather than stepping back and saying no to those things and being chased in that, that like it's okay to have a little, but it's not okay to just overindulge in that way. Mm-hmm. And to know that those are not my gods, you know? Right. Like we, we look, I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, you look back at biblical um, Old Testament times and you saw these people who they had Baal and they had um, Ra and they had all of these gods and they had these statues and they literally worship the statue itself as Mm -hmm. their god so if somebody came and they stole that statue they literally stole their god so we can oftentimes think about idolatry in terms of you know like thinking about it in terms of god like you know what other god am i trying to worship Mm -hmm. here but in modern times especially in our kind of agnostic or atheistic 
um, type of culture that we live in and really world, increasingly world that we live in, it's idolatry has turned to the things that we have. And I think that that's kind of a something that the devil really likes because it's hard to see that as idolatry for a lot of people, I think. Um, at least I know that it has been for me before learning about idolatry and learning what that actually meant. Cause I thought about it as, oh, well, I worship God. I don't worship these, these other gods. So I don't idolize anything. Oh yeah, I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, I do still sometimes. Yeah, we're going to do a whole series on idols in our lives. Yeah. Pretty soon, I think. Yeah. So it's, you know, it can, it can, yeah, definitely have to do there. There's, there's a need to be chased in more than just the marriage bed. There's a need to be chased in pretty much every area of your life in order to experience that freedom that God really calls us to. And you're talking about, I'm trying to find it. Fulton Sheen has a quote about, we can tell what we worship by where we put our time. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's, it's not an exact quote because I can't find it right this second, but it's one that I think of often, like where am I spending most of my time? And that's yeah. where, that's where our, you know, you make time for the things that are important to you. I think that was part of the quote too. And so, you know, what is more important, a relationship with God and those that he's put in our lives or what we want? And that's what it kind of comes down to. It's just the ordering of the appetites, especially the lust of the flesh. Um, I don't remember who says it, but someone said that it was one of the saints that Mary came to them and told them that more people are, in hell because of the sins of the flesh than any mm. other sins. And I think she's referring specifically to the sins of lust in all its iterations mm. and, you know, impurity in all its iterations as it's developed throughout human history. And that really struck me because um, when I think of really grave sins, really heinous sins, terrible crimes that have been committed in the history i mean all the serial killers Mm -hmm. things like that it always comes back to someone warring over something in the flesh Mm -hmm. whether it's some sort of whether it's a sexual thing or even whether it's or it's just like a possession thing like it's mine and you know i'm I'm gonna do violence to you to, to preserve what is mine or to someone else um it always has to do with a war inside of the flesh. And I think that chastity allows us to order that interior, that innate need to enthrone the appetites in the right direction. Because it's there. Obviously, it's part of being human. Well, and I would say for, I don't, I don't maybe some of our listeners, maybe, um, I, I, I guess I could just think of, the, the, the rebuttal that I had that just popped into my head when you were talking about that, just that would come back from my agnostic days. You said that it's always about a war of the flesh, a war, a war over something of the world, but there have been so many wars that have happened over religion. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge rebuttal. That's a huge um, obstacle for a lot of people coming into faith mm-hmm. is because they're like, well, there's so many wars fought over religion. Why would I want to be a part of that? Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, and this is, there's this is kind of a nuanced thing because there have been just wars sure. that have been fought over religion, but there have also been unjust ones. And mm-hmm. I think when you talk looking at unjust um, wars or conflicts or violence on a smaller scale being committed over religion or over faith, I think that that does come down to oftentimes that, that pride 
Mm-hmm. And that, you know, like this, this is about me. This is, you know, it might not be, I'm looking at something, you know, maybe money is behind it. Maybe it's not, but ultimately it's about me and how do I interpret things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how I want to lay it down and make other people obedient. So looking at people who, um, who would say, that it's not all done just for worldly things, but it's done for religious things. And you have words that were just and words that weren't, and it was all about internalizing, and this is all about me and what I want, and I want to stamp this into you. Um, So I think that what that comes from is you you have this church that Jesus founded, and he said, these are my teachings. The church hands them down to you. But then people decide, well, I don't I don't want to listen to the church or I have questions about the church, but I'm not going to dig into this. And I'm going to put my own interpretation and my own biases and my own intentions into this. And I think that that can, you know, and that includes people within the Catholic Church and sure. people who separate themselves from the Catholic Church. But I think that there, there is a needed level of humility um, to go, okay, well, I might not understand this teaching of the church, or I might not understand, you know, what's going on here. And I might be angry about these other things. And, you know, these people who are wanting to commit violence on this for the sake of religion or for the sake of their faith or, you know, in the name of God. And, um, I think it does take a level of humility there and obedience to the church just to say, okay, this is Jesus's church. This is not, the Church of Alicia. This is not the Church of Alicia, <laughs> yeah. Well, and the church is ran by men, like man, not like this men, but like it's <laughs> by, but by man, Human. yeah, humans. And so and we're not, you know, and we're fallen. And so things aren't going to be perfect, even in the church. And things there are not going to be horrific grievances committed no. in the name of religion that God had no part but in whatsoever. Was, and, you know, we... We have to be open and honest about that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, if you dig into it, when you come down to it, it has to do with what you said, pride and power. Mm -hmm. Men who got it twisted. Uh, Men and women who got it twisted. And it became about pride and power. And you can see that every single time when uh, like one of these unjust wars of religion has taken place Mm -hmm. where man mucked it up, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. And created a terrible situation. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's why God has laid it kind of on our shoulders. He says that we're supposed to proclaim the good news. We're supposed to act um, in virtue and act in charity and, um, you know, be examples uh, for the people around us. And we need to be diligent in that. Yes. We need to, there, that brings up our, our second virtue, diligence that needs slothfulness. Because if we are lazy in our faith... If we decide, well, I'm just going to settle for, you know, this line, this this area that I'm at in my faith and I'm not going to persevere and I'm not going to progress any further in my relationship with God, then that pride, I mean, is absolutely there. That's that's the foundation of that slothfulness. But when we decide, whatever happens, that conversion moment happens for us where we decide, okay, actually, we're going to work for the furthering of the message of God in the world and the furthering of the church, um, you know, in our own homes and in the world around us and the people in our lives. Um, you know, that's when I think that we can try to 
make a difference um, and a positive difference in terms of the name of Christianity. And Annie had quoted somebody um, recently that she had listened to who said something along the lines of um, she thought that Christians had done more damage to the name of Christianity than atheists ever had. Definitely. Christians lacking in joy. That was from uh, Mm -hmm. Mark Hart in a, he was a guest on another podcast. Um, But the the Bible geek. 100% true. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I think it's really telling that we're ending this little series with diligence because it's like, like humility. It's so inner woven with all of them. I mean, they're all, you know, very intertwined, but um, you, you know, we require diligence for all of these things. And um, I know something that we've talked about a little bit about our like root sins and different episodes and stuff and something Mm -hmm. I kind of have, I I've been feeling like that my in learning my, more about it is that my root sin is probably the sin of sensuality, not meaning mm-hmm. that I'm like an overly like, you know, that chastity is an issue. Right. Me, that yeah, actually, but, yeah. but it's more that my, that I, I really struggle with um, the feelings and needing to have those mm-hmm. sensory um, inputs of things. And so diligence is, is very difficult for me to like put aside what I feel mm-hmm. and keep going. Even when I'm not feeling like, mm-hmm getting up in the morning and pray, like spending oh, that well, time and Especially prayer. when you feel desolation. Mm-hmm. When you feel that desolation, you're not getting any of those consolations mm-hmm. from God and he feels far away yep. being able to go, okay, I feel this way, but God has taught me this. Right. And so putting right. that, like throwing away those, that, that, that looking at that, those right. feelings and clinging to what mm-hmm. it is that God has told you. Right. Exactly. Oh yeah. And all, all I can think of through like all of this episode so far has been, this is hard mm-hmm. and, it's, <laughs> and it is. And I think that's why diligence is so important because when we don't fight for what is right, I, I what is what God's will is, then it's really easy to turn off. That makes sloth is the sin that diligence defeats. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to get lost in the chaos it's, you know, we're, we're, we've been talking about busy schedules and, and overeating and children biting for attention. And, you know, we, we've talked about these different ways to kind of combat those things. But when they're all happening at the same time, it's really easy to drown in them. But that's the whole point of diligence is that we have to keep facing towards God and and that's not to say that just looking at God and praying is going to fix everything because that's, yeah. I think we, it's important to say too, that you can mm-hmm. keep fighting and things can still feel overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's important to be diligent and not because really when I think of, of diligence versus sloth, the word that comes to mind too is hope. Like there, you can't lose hope. Mm-hmm. And like Alicia said, and maybe it's the last episode about humility isn't about not being who you are. It's, it's, what was it's, it? it's humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's right. about thinking of yourself less. But it's also making yourself more like the freedom that you've been talking about because you're free to be who God made you to mm-hmm. be. Well, see, God likes to work in paradoxes. I think like mm-hmm. you die in order so that you can live, yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yep. like, I mean, he likes to work in those paradoxes. So it doesn't really make any sense in terms of like humanly terms, but 
when you're looking at the supernatural, God can make beautiful things come out of these very difficult situations. And I think that what you're talking about, Stacey, brings to mind for me, like perseverance and reaching for that relationship with God. Because, you know, I've, I've like I've talked about before, I've had those times where I am just angry and I'm upset and I am in my emotions and I'm thinking about myself and I say, God, I'm struggling with this. I, I want you to come in here and, you know, give me peace. And I start to feel that peace. And I'm like, actually, you know what? I want to be angry. <laughs> and it's like, and it begs the question, okay, so I'm working for this. Do I really want to work for this? Do I actually, like I've said before, I want, I want God to be my means and my end. Do I actually, you know? And I, I, I would say, yes, I do. But am I living that out fully? Absolutely not. And so, and I think that, that that's probably the case for absolutely everybody. Unless you are a walking saint, you know, and that's that comes to you more easily because you persevered and you've gotten to a point where you've allowed God to take over the majority or all of your heart. But for me, where I'm at right now, I I struggle with that. That like, do I really want God to be a part of this? Sometimes I, re I really don't, even though like I know that outside of these feelings, mm -hmm. I do when I'm in those feelings, sometimes I just want to be selfish and I want to be greedy and I want to be slothful in my perseverance and my relationship with God because I want to think about myself. There's the pride. You got to come out of yourself. You got to get, try to try to um, allow God to humble you in those moments um, so that you can be free from me, me, me and be free from wanting yourself to suffer. I guess I think it's so interesting that so often we want to suffer, not necessarily even because we feel guilty about something that can definitely be a motivating factor. But when I am angry about something or I'm angry, I'm angry at somebody or something or whatever, whatever's going on. And I just want to sit in my anger and I want to be mad and I want to replay this thing over and over and in my head, you know, like I, I do with my kids. Sometimes I want to replay that thing and you know, I just want to yell at them and all that stuff. Is it really worth it? You know, like I've talked about before, like, is it really, is the way that I want to respond right now worth my relationship being damaged with my children and then also not furthering my relationship with God? I think there's another aspect of diligence that we haven't discussed yet, but it's kind of important. I think that diligence is an, is an active virtue. It's yeah. sort of like piety in action. It's making straight paths for your feet. And that means it takes planning. Um, if you are trying to work on the virtue of being more chaste in your marriage, then you're going to look pretty closely at your fertility calendar. You're going to learn to try and find times where you can freely love your husband or whatever it is that you have planned between the two of you for your married life. If um, if you are trying, like you were talking about wanting to acquire more humility, you'll make straight paths for your feet by avoiding things or thoughts that cause you to have an inflated sense of yourself or a more, a bigger sense of yourself than you should relative to the situation. I think diligence is constantly going back to making those straight paths ahead of time, being faithful and persistent to do that in order so that virtue can flow in. So I think, um, like you said, diligence runs through all of this in the acquisition of virtues, but it, it actually does tend toward a more active connotation of 
dil- like a farmer has to get up and milk the cows. He's diligent to do that. If he doesn't, what will happen? Chaos will ensue. <laughs> um, you have an unhappy cow. <laughs> you guys are farmers. You understand diligence. Farming is literally, that's what it's, that you get up, you keep doing it. You plant when you plant. You harvest when you harvest. And it doesn't matter how you feel. You're going to do it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you have COVID-19, you're going to get out there and do it. Because <laughs> that's what diligence is. It's understanding that it depends on this. And there's a time and season for right, things. right, mm-hmm. and so I think that's when we're talking even specifically about chastity, like we are today, being diligent to guard your eyes from the things like Annie was talking about that cause you to compare your marriage to someone else's, or um, that's a huge part of chastity. I think is guarding your thoughts. Mm-hmm. comparing your marriage to other people's marriage or your sex life to someone else's sex life or your sex life to some imaginary sex life that you have in your head or, you know, or what, even your is, past, like, or past. past. Yeah. Newlywed sex life to, right. like, <laughs> to mm-hmm. 30 years or maybe, you know, and while you have children and postpartum. <laughs> oh. And like, yeah, yeah. there's a time for things. There's a, there's an order to things. And I think, mm-hmm. That we have to keep that in mind. We have to keep plugging along and persevering yeah. and mm-hmm. keep on trying and keep getting up, mm-hmm. being diligent to make those straight paths so that we don't fall because we just didn't get out there and scoop <laughs> where we should have scooped and, and <laughs> or filled. And, we and when we filled. do fall, because we will, yes. be diligent about getting back up. Yes, mm-hmm. Annie. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Well, and I, I think that. too, with all of these virtues, recognizing that God is there with us, that even when he doesn't feel close, Mm -hmm. that he is there, that he's made that promise to us that he's not going to leave us, that he's going to be with us, that he's going to uh, be there when we call for him. And so just really um, learning and conditioning ourselves to, to call on him when we're learning these virtues. And I think it's important too, that like to know that, you know, these, this is a lot. We've talked about a lot in these last three episodes. And <clears throat> these are things that you learn lifelong. And one of the things that I've, I think are probably helpful for a lot of people that I've learned is that, you know, when you're trying to grow in virtue, you can focus on one thing at a time. You know, mm-hmm. like you're, you're inevitably going to encounter difficulties and all of them throughout your life, even if you're just focusing on one. But let's say like you really have a hard time with chastity, you know really focusing in on that Mm -hmm. and allowing God to enter into that part of your life and really focus on that. And when you start gaining some ground in that and you start, you know, feeling more confident in that and going like, okay, like God has shown me here that he is here with me with this, you know, maybe something else is creeping up in your life where you notice that, you know, maybe you've been envious of people, you haven't been kind. So you need to work on that, but it doesn't have to be, I think, and overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, there's these virtues that I have to do because I have to become perfect and, and all of this. Right. Like, God is merciful. There's also a sense that we should join the Lord where he's already working mm-hmm. here and allow him to tell us what needs to be worked oh, on. Because, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, if we look at our lives, we'll start cataloging, being like, look at all of this stuff. Oh my gosh, look at all of That's this. That's a good point. When God is saying, eh, no, 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 we're not doing that right now. This is, remember, I've been bringing this up in your heart. We're going to work on this right now. Because this is the season for this. Mm-hmm. And I know you see all that other stuff. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Will you let me in here? 
and move around. I think we have to be careful to let God lead this journey. Mm-hmm. What virtues do you want to, to work on mm-hmm. today, Lord? You are the one who's the gardener in my heart. I will follow behind you and see where you stop and sit mm-hmm. and dig. And that's where I'll work too. Mm-hmm. And, and recognizing, I think too, that like this is, God is not asking of us to grow in these virtues and to defeat these sins because he sees how ugly and awful we are. You know, yeah, he sees the sin. He knows it's not good. He knows that it comes between us and him. And the reason why he wants to defeat those sins in our hearts is because he wants to be close to us. Yeah. Because he loves us. And every single thing that God does is out of love. Everything and a desire to be close is. to us. Exactly. <laughs> out of love for us. Absolutely. And these virtues are gifts. And he wants to give them to us in abundance. And everything that God gives brings joy. One of the things that you said earlier, and I just haven't had a chance to jump in because you guys have had such beautiful things that kept going. Um, you talked about asking. <laughs> you even talk, <laughs> It's all the good stuff. Um, but you're talking about how you ask God to help you with these things. And I think sometimes because we hear these beautiful stories of the saints and how these mystical things happen with the saints, sometimes we think that that's the way God talks to everybody. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that sometimes... God is talking to us through a friend who mentioned something. And then that same thing shows up at mass in the scripture mm-hmm. reading. And then it comes up again in this opportunity to practice that virtue with a friend or coworker or child who has gotten on your last nerve, you know, or whatever. It's just the God speaking to us is not always going to be some sort of clouds coming down and two beautiful, wonderful dreams Sometimes it's just the everyday. He brings people into our lives. And we have to remember that we aren't we aren't meant to be these little islands. God created us in community to help each other journey to heaven. And he speaks to us through these people he puts in our lives and these situations he puts in our lives and their opportunities to live out these virtues. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner of the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, and join the community at smartcatholics.com.